Hey everybody, this is Steve Hutto with Harvest Celebration Ministries and also the missions community. Hope you're having a great day or evening or morning. have a teaching for you uh, today and uh, I want to start with John chapter 15, verse 1. John 15, verses 1 through 8. And if you're turning there, if you're waiting for me to read the passage uh, while you're waiting, I want to ask you a question. Is your life impacting others? I mean, is the fact that you are living on planet Earth as a born-again Christian, living for Jesus, is your life touching the lives of others? Is God impacting others through you? And that's what I want to talk about. So be thinking about the answer to this question as we talk about it. In this short teaching, John 15, 1 through 8, Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. And verse 4, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them to the fire and they're burned. Verse 7, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And then verse 8, My Father is glorified by this. By what? That you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Again, the question, are you making an impact with your life? And you know, when you bear fruit, you're impacting other people's lives. Now, something Jesus said here that I don't think we, we get this or we hear this. This is a very popular passage of Scripture, you know, about abiding in the vine. But Jesus said something interesting here. He said, every branch, this is uh, in verse 2, every branch in me, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch, and you could insert in me because he's on the same thought there, every branch in me that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. So Jesus is talking about Every branch, that's his analogy, meaning every person who is in him or who is a Christian. So Jesus is talking about believers here when he's talking about those that bear fruit and those that do not bear fruit. So keep that in mind. And so according to Jesus, then there are two categories of branches or Christians in him. Two categories. One category are those who do not bear fruit. And the scripture says they are taken away. Later it says they're cast into the fire and they're burned. Let me just say right up front here, 
Jesus is not talking about judgment. Remember, he's talking to believers. He's talking uh, New Testament talk here when he says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit or every branch in me that does bear fruit. So the first category are those who don't bear fruit and they're taken away. They're not cast into the lake of fire to burn in hell forever. Of course not. They're taken out of the way because they're not bearing fruit. And then the second category, of course, are those who do bear fruit. Jesus said these are pruned. and That also means they're cleansed in such a way that they will bear more fruit. So, What happens to those who don't bear fruit and are taken away? It's simply they're taken out of the game, so to speak. They cannot be useful to Jesus. Think about this. When someone plants a seed for the purpose of that seed becoming a tree that bears fruit or a plant that bears vegetables, the purpose of the seed, the reason they're planting that seed, is ultimately to get fruit. Well, if that seed produces a plant, but the plant never bears bears fruit, then ultimately the seed never fulfilled its purpose. And the plant is not useful to the person who planted the seed. So they're usually uprooted. In the case of those who are in Christ Jesus that don't bear fruit, they're taken out of the way. And I personally believe that the fire is what causes us to come back to Jesus. Sometimes the fire of trial or the fire of life itself causes us to get on our face before Jesus. We're already born again because he said in him, remember, and we come back to Jesus. So people who are not bearing fruit, even though they're Christians, they're not bearing fruit and the result is they're not impacting lives. On the other hand, those that do and are bearing fruit, they're pruned again, as I said, so that, or Jesus said, so that they will bear more fruit. They're useful to Jesus. Listen, when you're a vessel for the Master, when you're an instrument in the hand of Jesus, in the hand of God, you're useful to Him, and He adjusts you. And he recalculates you at times. He tweaks you so that you will bear more fruit and be even more effective for his kingdom in the earth today. Man, that's exciting. And another thing I want to talk to you about today is that according to Jesus in this passage, it's very clear, the key to bearing fruit and making an impact in the lives of other people is to abide. The word abide. Let's take just a few moments and I want to talk to you about the word abide as Jesus uses it in this passage. John 15, I'm going to read 4 through 7 again. Listen carefully to this. Jesus said, Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they're burned. In verse 7, 
If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Now, verse 7 simply means that if you truly abide in Jesus, and he is abiding in you, as we're going to talk about this, then what you ask for is in line with his character, his will, and his word. And if time permits, we'll talk more about that. But I want you to notice something. In this passage, Jesus uses the word abide seven times. We can gather from this that it's very important that we abide in Jesus and he abides in us. And sometimes we get it backwards. We think that Jesus, because he abides in us, then we can just go our way or we can do things on our own and we're not really plugged into him like we should be. But the key here is every time he used the word abide, or practically every time, he said, abide in me and I in you. So again, Jesus uses the word abide seven times in this passage between John 15, 4 and verse 7. Now, abide from the Greek has a much stronger meaning than it does in the English. In the English, we think, you know, to live or to dwell somewhere or in something, and that's that's accurate. But abide from the Greek is a Greek word, minnow. And it's not the little fish, you know, that we fish with. But it's a Greek word, and it has several synonymous meanings, or, or actually several related definitions that give us a a much clearer and stronger picture of what Jesus means when he says, abide in me and I in you. Watch this now. Abide, minnow means to remain, to dwell, of course, and to abide, of course. Listen to these other definitions. To endure, to last, to persevere, to stand firm or stand steadfast, and to remain alive. Let me take just a minute and do a little little exercise here and just substitute some of these definitions for the word abide as Jesus said it in John chapter 15. All right? One of the definitions means to endure. Let me back it up to the first one, to remain. That's key, to remain. A lot of people don't remain in him. So Jesus was saying, remain in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it remains in the vine. So neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse 5, another one was to endure. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who endures in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse 6, we're going to use another definition, to last. If anyone does not last in me, he is thrown away as a a branch and dries up. They gather them, they're cast into the fire, and they're burned. Here's another one, to persevere. If you persevere in me, and my words persevere in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Persevere, that's good. To stand firm. Let me go back up to verse 4 again. Stand firm in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it stands firm in the vine. Neither can you unless you stand firm in me. And you could substitute steadfast 
You could substitute remain alive. If anyone does not remain alive in me, he's thrown away and so forth and so on. So all of these definitions, to remain, to dwell, to abide, to endure, to last, to persevere, to stand firm uh, or steadfast, or to remain alive, those are definitions for the Greek word minnow that Jesus used in this passage of Scripture. Man, that's incredible. Let me tell you something else about the word abide as it's used by Jesus. It has a two-way application. Think about this. A two-way application. Verse 4, Jesus said, Abide in me and I in you. There's a pattern and there's a principle there. Verse 5, He who abides in me and I in him, so forth and so on. Verse 7, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, Ask whatever you wish, and so forth and so on. So in every case where he used this two-way application, he started off by saying, First, you abide in me, and then I'll abide in you. He who abides in me and I in him, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. Now, we could get a clearer picture by going to James chapter 4, verse 8, the first part of that verse where uh, James said, Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. You see, it's not that God is not in you if you're saved, of course, but there is a principle there of pursuing God. There's a principle there of going after Jesus, having such a hunger and thirst for His presence and His goodness that you spend much of your time pursuing Him. And the more you pursue Him, the more you see the priority of pursuing Him as it causes the rest of your life to fall into the correct order. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 6.33, Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all the other stuff will be added unto us. Again, James said, If you draw near to God, what's the result? He'll draw near to you. Why is that? Because God's always there for us, even when we push away from Him. But the more we draw near to Him, the more He draws near to us. I mean, the presence of God is incredible. Think about it. In in the presence of the Lord, there is joy forevermore. And and, and, uh, at the the right hand, I believe the psalmist said, are pleasures forevermore. In other words, it's just a good thing to pursue God. You cannot go wrong by pursuing God. And there's a scripture the psalmist wrote, and I don't even remember the reference, but it comes to me, and it it says, uh, David said, As for me, the nearness of God is my good. Therefore, I have made the Lord my God my refuge that I may tell of all his works. There's so much in this scripture. But first of all, God's nearness is better than God not being near. So that when I pursue God and draw near to God and I find God, he's near to me. And it's a blessing for me. It's more of a blessing for me to be near God than it is for God to be near me. I'm talking about as far as improving the quality of my existence. And so David says, or, or the psalmist says here, that uh, I, therefore, since the nearness of God is my good, it's good for me, 
that I've just made God, man, my refuge. That's where I hang out. That's where I shelter. That's where I gain strength and mount up with wings as uh, wings uh, uh, as of eagles. Man, they that wait upon the Lord renew their strength. It's powerful. So I want you to understand that there's a two-way application there. It's not that God's going to follow you around and pursue you so that you can be strengthened. No, we draw near to Him. We make the effort to abide in Him. Again, let me say, I'm not saying that we're talking about unsaved people and getting saved because Jesus said, remember every branch in me that does bear fruit and doesn't bear fruit fruit, and so forth and so on. So we draw near to Him first. We abide in Him. And I can vouch for this, my friend. My life, the quality of my life, gets better and better and better the more I determine that I'm going to draw closer and closer to Jesus. He's never avoided me. He's never uh, dodged me. He's never eluded me. Whenever I call upon Him and earnestly and honestly and desperately uh, share with Him my desire and my need for Him, He's always there. He will never leave us or forsake us. That's incredible. So, the point in all this, in order to make an impact on other people's lives, we must abide in Jesus and bear fruit. And then the last thing I want to say quickly is Jesus said this. I mean, it's just the flip side of what I've been saying. Apart from me, Jesus said, you can do nothing. John fifteen five. I am the vine. It's almost like Jesus is saying, me vine, you branches. Let's get this straight. Don't get it backwards, because that'll mess you up. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and then there's that two-way application, and I in him, he is the one who's going to bear much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. That's incredible. Jesus said, for apart from me, you can do absolutely nothing. But there's a scripture that I love from Luke chapter 1, verse 37. It's when the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary and began to say incredible things about how she was going to give birth to the Messiah as a virgin, never having relations with a man. And he goes on, and she finally accepts the word, receives it and everything. And then the, one of the last things that Gabriel says is, in, in verse uh, 37 of Luke chapter 1, he says, For nothing will be impossible with God. Now think about that. None of us have a problem believing that God can do anything. I mean, God can do whatever He wants to because He's that powerful. He can accomplish anything. He can accomplish the impossible. No question about that. But I don't believe that's specifically what Jesus was saying here. And I believe that what Jesus is saying when He says, apart from me, you can do nothing, can kind of be seen in what Gabriel says when he says, for nothing will be impossible with God. So it's like Gabriel is looking at Mary after making this powerful announcement and her receiving it and everything. And he says, for nothing will be impossible for you, Mary, with God, if you abide in him and he in you. Because apart from him, you can do nothing. But with God, all things are possible. The scripture says that in another place. 
with God, all things are possible. We know that for God, all things are possible, but he's talking about you and me, including us in in this formula, so to speak, in the mix. And he says, Steve, nothing is impossible for God with you. Or with you and God, nothing is impossible. I love the way that the Holy Spirit makes us a partner with himself when we serve Jesus. So let me tell you, for nothing will be impossible for you, my friend, if you're listening to this, with God. Nothing. Because God can do anything, but he wants you involved in the supernatural as well. God can do anything. We must abide in the vine and he in us. For apart from him, we can do nothing. But if you want to impact the lives of other people and thus and thus just bask in the blessings. I don't mean uh, natural, you know, uh, physical, material blessings. I mean, that's included. But I mean, if you want the quality of your life as a vessel and an instrument for God on this earth to, to, to increase to the point to where other people are being blessed by your existence, then abide in the vine. Seek first the kingdom of God. He will abide in you. You will bear fruit. And the fruit that you bear just from living after Jesus, serving Him, living for Him, will change the lives of other people. That's what we need the body of Christ to be involved in today. We're so centered on our own self, our own problems, our own ministries, that we don't seem to be uh, concerned about touching the lives of other people. But friend, that's what you're here to do. That's why God placed you on planet Earth, to make a difference, to make an impact. You know, I've been asking myself this lately. Uh, You know, when I'm gone, the day I leave, or a few weeks or days after I leave this life, will will it be noticed in such a sense that lives have been impacted? In other words, and, and, and not because I'm gone, do you remember, oh, he was a good guy and he did this and I remember this and that. No, I'm talking about will lives be better because of the fact that you and I lived on this earth and we live for Jesus for whatever time gives us and how many lives will be impacted, not by how many words we spoke, not by how many messages we preached, those things are important, but how we simply lived for Jesus. So let me ask you the question as I close out this teaching. Is your life impacting others? Is your life, as you live it for Jesus, making an impact on the lives of other people? Thank you so much for listening. I pray that you are blessed by this. Thanks again for logging on. You have a blessed day. God bless you.